Sunday, November 12th, 2017, and this is uh, the first official episode of Unruly Heather Maruli, a diary podcast, okay? Now, for those of you who may be thinking, what is that title, or, you know, have criticized me, For the title of my podcast, I am thinking of someone specific who said they did not like the title of my podcast. You know what? I don't care what you have to think uh, because this is my podcast and I will call it what I want. But, you know, I I, I just want to open up with um, like a little bit of a a primer. (laughs) Primer? Is that how you say it? A primer? (laughs) of what this podcast is going to be. Um, So, you know, the title lets you know right away, this is a diary podcast. So yes, it's me by myself talking about my life. Very sorry if you were anticipating something else. I mean, there will be episodes with guests, you know, if you must uh, listen to people. We're going to find out how to say primer right now. I'm on the Merriam-Webster dictionary website, and I'm just going to click the pronunciation here. Primer. It's a primer. That's right. It's a primer. <laughs> I know that. I went to college. Not that I, not that I could forget, because I sent a large chunk of money to Sally May every month. Hey, Sally, bitch, if you're listening. Anywho, yeah, it's uh, Sunday, November 12th. I'm coming to you live from my luxurious studio apartment in South Los Angeles, California. Let me tell you folks, uh, nobody has ever lived this well. You know, for $850 a month, you too can live in a very questionable neighborhood where on two or three occasions in the time that I lived here, the police have uh, shined their lights in my front window. <laughs> and I, in turn, called the police on the police. This is this is all true. I do have a large uh, walk-in closet uh, to store all of my... Well, I mean, a lot of my stuff is, you know, designer-based. I do shop at Nordstrom a lot. You know, I don't want to alienate my audience right off the bat, but... That's just the type of lifestyle I lead, you know, when you're a uh, a single woman uh, who, who does not have uh, love in her life, you, you pour your money into things, you know, things like Tory Burch flip-flops or Rebecca Minkoff backpacks, you know, and I can never have enough of either of those things. I also have a, a collection of wigs. In my closet, my large walk-in closet. 
And I have lots of shoes that I never wear. I always end up wearing the same, like, two or three pairs of shoes. Does anybody else do that? But I have, like, a hundred pairs. <laughs> you know, you just wear the ones you like. What's the point? Um, I do have a full kitchen in this studio apartment. Again, don't want to alienate you, but I do uh, prepare meals here on occasion. You know, meals for one. Uh, sometimes I meal prep, though, and I'll, you know, make enough food for three or four days to bring to lunch at my again I don't want to alienate this audience but I do work at a law firm I have I work at a law firm in Beverly Hills a luxurious part of Los Angeles which is a lie it's not you know Beverly Hills is just as questionable of an area in Los Angeles as any other uh, and things happen down there that you least expect so Nothing that you see in the movies is is uh, true, folks. Okay? So, here's what this podcast is going to be. Um, so, this is going to be, you know, part diary, part interview podcast. Essentially, I'm going to um, publish an episode uh, every week, hopefully. <laughs> that's, my, that's my goal. And... Um, you know, it's going to be about the goings on in my life, the goings on, you know, in general, in the public arena. You know, we'll probably talk about some articles or current events. Um, and yeah, this podcast is kind of in the style of uh, one of my idols, uh, Jen Kirkman. You may have heard of her. And I, um, I, I think it's going to be really good. I Well, you know, I'm not used to this yet. Well, I you know what? Honestly, I really do like the sound of my own voice. So this is going to be pretty easy for me because I'm so narcissistic. <laughs> and you guys will we'll just have to see what you think. And quite honestly, I'm not making this for other comedians. Um, you know, a lot of comedians try to start these podcasts with extremely specific uh, guidelines, you know, it's a very specific topic. They're like, oh, this is a podcast about uh, different types of baked goods. And, and that's their whole podcast. Or they have a podcast, you know, what's really popular right now is true crime and murder. They're like, oh, this podcast is only about murders that took place before 1800. Like, ugh, God, that's so specific. My favorite podcasts, personally, are ones where people just talk. <laughs> like, they just talk about whatever. Uh, Greg Fitzsimmons' podcast is a favorite of mine. Shout out to Greg. I'm sure he's not listening to this, but he does know who I am. Not bragging, but other people know who I am. I'm finally getting the recognition in my life that I never had as a child. And I will not stop. I will not rest. Okay. That's why I'm a comedian, because I need attention. I need it so badly. And I'm, I'm just realizing all of this stuff, you know, at the age of, oh, do I have to say my age out loud? I don't know if I should. That might be a bad idea. What if uh, somebody in the business is listening to this? Well, I'll just say I'm 25, which I'm not. So, um, yeah, as a uh, young uh, 25-year-old woman in show business, I have a lot of things going on in my life. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I'm, you know, I work both in an office and in stand-up. So I, I, I'm in two different worlds. I'm straddling two different worlds, I suppose. So 
you know, we're going to go back and forth uh, between, you know, personal thoughts, current events, uh, articles, uh, things that happen to me. You know, if anything exciting happens to me, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I do live a life. I do have friends. Um, yes, I am currently loveless, but, you know, things can change. Uh, things always change. So we'll see what happens. Um, the reason I wanted to get this episode out this week is because there's been a major event uh, that has rocked both the entertainment world and uh, the comedy world, I guess. Like, comedy is a world inside of entertainment. You know, it's it's very specific. There are people who only know things about comedy. Um, but you have to be in comedy to really know what's going on. So the big story this week, of course, is that the New York Times published a piece with uh, five women who have accused... Louis C.K. of sexual misconduct, okay? And this article is a long time coming because the rumors about Louis C.K. have been going on for a very long time. And I just wanted you, I, I want to use the word alleged, okay? Alleged sexual misconduct. Um, because that's the safest thing to say legally. But if you're in comedy, you've heard these rumors before. And the rumor has always been that Louis likes to, uh, you know, expose himself and masturbate in front of women. And that is what he's been accused of in this article. And it's caused a little bit of a, uh, a tizzy within the comedy community. And yes, folks, I do live in Los Angeles, a very uh, luxurious city, not to brag. But uh, people in Los Angeles and comics, I mean, I'm talking about comics, not people. They're not people, okay? We're animals. <laughs> comics are animals. Like, people are going crazy over this. And I have to be honest, I mean, I, like, I was wondering when this was going to come out formally. And it actually has come out probably sooner than I expected, um, I suppose that this whole domino effect has uh, been triggered with the uh, Harvey Weinstein allegations, you know, starting this uh, basically watershed moment in American history where, you know, women, we're just, uh, we're just fucking sick of it. We're sick of it. And we don't want to see your dick unless we ask, of course. And uh, we don't want to be harassed. We don't want to be harangued. We don't want to be abused. Okay. And women are finally you know, saying something, which is huge, because in the past, you know, when women accuse men of uh, sexual misconduct or harassment or what have you, they were often, you know, silenced and, and shut down. Um, and I mean, that still happens, but it seems like a lot of women are just really, you know, sick of it. They're like sick of all the bullshit. Oh, can you hear those sirens? Yeah, we're going to hear a lot of sirens. <laughs> Because of the questionable nature of this neighborhood. Anywho, I, I think we really are like in this major historic moment right now, especially in the United States. Um, things are just really, you know, changing. And I really do think it uh, a big factor here is the fact that we have, I don't even want to say his name, 
you know, uh, this person who is allegedly our president. Um, I, I won't say his name because, you know, I don't acknowledge him as my president. But um, I think we're seeing sort of a cultural shift uh, because people are so, you know, sickened uh, by the way you know, this country has turned uh, in various directions. So there are some people like, you know, who are still supporting this person who is president. I guess people in the alt-right, you know, those types. Um, And then on the other side, we have, you know, people who are uh, sane. (laughs) Sane people, normal people who are frustrated because this guy uh, does not represent, you know, what we should be about in this country. And it doesn't help, you know, that before he got elected, you know, the whole, you know, grab her by the pussy thing came out. I, You know, I think that really probably was the start of this sort of like calling out uh, culture, you know, um, and it's a good thing. But um, the thing about Louie that is, I mean, it's kind of complicated, but it isn't at the same time. Um, what I've noticed is that it seems like people don't understand that you could be good at something. You could be good at art. You could be good at a sport. You could be, you know, good at, uh, you know, writing a novel. Uh, But you can also be a bad person at the same time. Like you can do good and do bad at the same time. Because people seem to be obsessed with this idea of like black. It's like a black and white thinking thing. Or people are like, oh no, you're you're only good or you're only bad. You know, there's only God and there's only the devil. There's only heaven and there's only hell. Well, guess what? That's not the way the world works. And I think black and white thinking is extremely dangerous. Um, you know, so people who are saying like about Louis, they're like, oh my God. Oh my God. I like, I can't, I can't believe this. I oh, he's such a good comedian. Like, how could he, how could he be doing this? I mean, okay, the question of if he's a good comedian is not even a question. Everybody knows he's funny. Everybody knows he's a good comedian. I consider him one of my favorite comedians of all time. Uh, I do consider him an influence. I'm not saying I'm as funny as him, but I do see my comedy sort of like taking uh, shape and sort of his style like he he does have sort of like a stream of consciousness style and that's what I've been sort of embracing on stage lately but here's the thing what he did was bad it's bad okay and it's wrong and it especially doesn't help that his uh, so-called apology is not an apology at all there are Never once in the statement does he say, I'm sorry, or I apologize. And I feel like people are like forgetting that. Um, Because I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, yeah, you know what he said, you know, at least he's taking responsibility. Well, guess what? He's not taking responsibility because any person with half a brain who read the statement, if they read it, there are some choice excerpts that will show you that he's not apologizing at all. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read you part of his statement, okay? Um, These stories are true, 
At the time, I said to myself that what I did was okay because I never showed a woman my dick without asking first, which is also true. But what I learned later in life, too late, is that when you have power over another person, asking them to look at your dick isn't a question. It's a predicament for them. The power I had over these women is that they admired me, and I wielded that power irresponsibly. I have been remorseful of my actions, and I've tried to learn from them and run from them. And now I'm aware of the extent of the impact of my actions. I learned yesterday the extent to which I left these women who admired me feeling badly about themselves and cautious around other men who would never have put them in that position. I also took advantage of the fact that I was widely admired in my and their community, which disabled them from sharing their story and brought hardship to them when they tried because people who look up to me didn't want to hear it. I didn't think that I was doing any of that because my position allowed me not to think about it. There is nothing about this that I forgive myself for, and I have to reconcile it with who I am, which is nothing compared to the task I left them with. I wish I had reacted to their admiration of me by being a good example to them as a man and giving them some guidance as a comedian, including because I admired their work. Okay. Admire, admiration. We, that word is in there like five times. I, oh, I'm, I'm so admired in the community, you know, uh, that's why I... That's why I feel so bad. And notice how many times he says I throughout the statement. I, 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 me, 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 myself, myself, myself. This guy, he's obviously extremely narcissistic. And the part where he says, um, this part where he says, I took advantage of the fact that I was widely admired in my and their community. Oh, for God's sakes. He basically what he's saying is, uh, hey, I'm a genius and I took advantage of that. And I felt that as a genius, I could show women my dick. That's what he's saying. <laughs> this is not an apology. This is really bad, actually. I mean, nobody looked this over, right? I mean, he just wrote it up and, and, and sent it in. I just want to say, you know, both me and Louis C.K., we currently have the exact same amount of representation in the entertainment industry currently. We, we both of us, like neither of us has a manager. We do not have an agent. <laughs> we don't have PR people anymore. Uh, we're both, we're both alone. Okay. But this, this apology is not an apology. It's basically just a deflection of responsibility. And, you know, people people don't really like read into things anymore. They just sort of like, we're in this culture where people, you know, they're like, Oh, did you read this article? But when people say they read an article, they basically just, you know, glance at the title. We're we're living in a world of clickbait titles. Let's be honest. Like the title is, is the most important thing. Right. And people don't really read the article. And I don't know if people even really read uh, what he wrote here because it's very, very, uh, narcissistic and self-centered and all he really cares about is how he fucked up his own career because he only issued this statement after uh, his film got pulled and his film uh, which is uh, aptly titled I Love You Daddy has been fill, uh, pulled from distribution 
I did have tickets to go see it. I did ask for a refund. Don't worry, I was going to go in disguise because I don't want, uh, I didn't want anybody to see me going to see this movie. But yeah, I, I did plan on seeing it, you know, for research purposes. Um, yeah, I, well, the thing I get from this statement is that he really isn't sorry. You know, I think he's sorry that uh, his money is going to be fucked up for a while. Who knows what's going to happen, but I I think his career is pretty much dead in the water right now. I don't really see a comeback from this. Uh, I saw Netflix's little little tweet where they said, uh, due to Louis C.K.'s behavior, we are not going to make his second stand-up special. But Netflix still has his specials up right now, his his other specials. And I did, uh, for research purposes, I did re-watch one of his specials yesterday And it is a special, and again, I'm not bragging that I have this type of lifestyle, but I was in the audience for the taping of the special, and it is called Louis C.K. Live at the Comedy Store, and I think it was recorded uh, October of 2015, maybe November 2015. Um, But I am in the audience, and you can hear me laughing in the background. I'm laughing particularly hard at a joke about a dead baby. Whew, feels good to get that off my chest. And But you can still watch these specials on Netflix. But as I was uh, re-watching this special, there there were a couple of parts of it where I was like, oh boy, I don't know if I should be laughing at this anymore. There's like a large chunk where he's talking about how easy it is to accidentally text sexually inappropriate things to people and how he hopes he doesn't accidentally text a picture of his pubes to one of his daughters. Um... Hello. Oof. Oof. That's bad. <laughs> That's something that we should have uh, taken more seriously. There's a lot of there's a lot of chunks in his uh comedy where you're like, "Oh no, like what's going on with this guy?" Even when you're watching Louie, you know, his treatment of uh, the character of Pamela, you know, obviously there's some uh, fucked upness going on. Uh, the episode everybody talks about is Pamela part one, where I think she's like almost, is she like blackout drunk or something? And he's like trying to take advantage of her. There's a couple of episodes of Louie where I was, I was watching and I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Um, so obviously... Okay, so here's the thing. Like, people are saying, like, oh, well, we, you know, we knew that he was fucked up, you know, because he he did that in his art. But also, like, he was kind of, like, putting it behind this sort of mask of, like, being woke. You know, like, Louis C.K., you know, you you think of him, you're like, oh, like, yeah, this guy, like, you know, he's, you know, he's socially aware like politically he's liberal like he you know he gets it because he you know he's pretty woke he's like a woke older white man and he's not he's (laughs) he's just faking it who knows whatever i mean that's another thing i mean people people are fucked up you know And, and i think this is hard for a lot of people to accept like they have this idea that you're either you're either all good or you're all bad right there's no room for in between there's no room for being a complicated human because humans are extremely complicated people you know we have you know feelings and thoughts and opinions and 
you know, rage and sadness and fear and guilt and shame. And we experience love and lust and, you know, all these sorts of different emotions. So that's why a person isn't just one thing or another thing. They're, they're complicated. And, and Louis exemplifies that. I mean, he obviously has, you know, some sort of a mental illness where, you know, he feels that, you know, he's able to, uh, you know, use his power and position to, you know, manipulate women and, and frighten them and shock them. And, and that's what it's really about. Cause I, I was re cause people were like, you know, I saw a lot of comedians on Facebook who were sort of defending Louis CK. And, and let me just say, uh, the, the comics who were definitely outright defending Louis CK on Facebook are possibly the least funny comedians in Los Angeles or other cities like these people. It's only the unfunny people defending him. Uh, and I think this is like such a bad hill to die on. I mean, especially if you're already like disliked in the comedy community, why would you even go deeper on that? Um, I saw a guy who posted a couple of strange, uh, Facebook, uh, statuses about this and, I, I screenshotted them, of course, because, hey, this is the age of screenshot. My screenshotting fingers are so tired uh, from the last few days. But um, if you're if you don't want your shit screenshotted, don't post it on social media, because this guy, he posted a few statuses that were very questionable. And I noticed uh, tonight that they have been deleted. And in one of his statuses, he was saying that the case of Louis C.K., is no different from the following celebrities. He mentioned uh, Michael Jackson. Okay, right off the bat, he's wrong. <laughs> uh, Kobe Bryant, Jimi Hendrix, Eminem, Amy Winehouse, Lauren Hill. I don't even know. Okay, first off, was Amy Winehouse ever uh, accused of exposing herself to people? <laughs> what is like how are these being compared this doesn't make any sense and kobe bryant he was accused of uh he was accused of rape basically this guy was saying that you know we build up you know celebrities and that destroy it but kobe and i don't know if i should go on the record and say this but i he definitely did something questionable he wasn't uh convicted but you know Whew, we can't compare these cases. This is like comparing apples to oranges. And, what, and, and Michael Phelps, he mentions. What did Michael Phelps do? What, he got a DUI, right? How is getting a DUI comparable to uh, exposing yourself to women in a hotel room and trapping them with your body? I mean, come on. And then another popular opinion I saw on Facebook was, um, you know, if if Louis C.K. asked to take his dick out, what did he do wrong? For God's sakes. I mean, do we really have to get into all of these intricacies? First off, here's here's the first problem. Louis C.K. is easily... I mean, he if, if he's not the most famous comedian in the world right now, um, he's definitely in the top three, right? Who would the others be? What, Dave Chappelle, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock? Top five. He's in the top five 
most famous and successful comedians currently. So he's powerful. You know, this isn't like some road comic who you're going to run into at like Jake's Joke Shack in Missouri. You know, this is a this is a guy who was sold out Madison Square Garden. Okay. This is a huge comic. Um so he's very powerful and he knows it. That statement says I was admired. I'm so admired. You know, he knows. He knows that he's admired and he loves it. He eats it up. So there's the problem right there. Okay. Then the next layer to add to it is that the women who have accused him of this uh, sexual misconduct, they're comedians. Okay. These aren't, you know, women off the street. They're not, um, you know, Louis' assistant. They're not... um, family members they're not strangers um these are women who were working in some capacity alongside him or hoping to work alongside him right so there's another layer to the to him taking advantage of them it's basically like a workplace violation like if if my boss was like hey heather can i take out my dick immediately i'd be like huh <laughs> you know it doesn't make any sense like you you would be you would be shocked. It's unbelievable, you know. I don't even know and that's another thing like a lot I saw some women saying one post in particular that I did save and I quoted it on Facebook. A woman was essentially saying that you know the only reason this happened was because the women who Louis did it to weren't, you know, they weren't empowered enough and basically you know victim blaming victim blaming the women who this happened to because you know if they had if they had been different you know they would have just stormed out of the room okay so here's here's the quote that this woman said and i did i do have receipts i did screenshot it this woman said he knows he's a shit show they had ever every opportunity to back out weak women make excuses empowered women tell a man off and walk out because they don't have time for a sorry sack of shit okay i i literally cannot believe a woman (laughs) it's so unbelievable to me i mean any woman knows what it's like to be made uncomfortable by a man you know um you can't simply (laughs) You can't simply just say, like, that a woman is a victim of something because she's weak. I think that's so gross. And guess what? Women who are, you know, strong or empowered or outspoken, they've been victims of sexual harassment and assault as well. You know, Um, what about all the rape victims who, you know, they're screaming no and fighting back? They still get raped. Um, It's just unbelievable that somebody would say that and especially a woman it's gross um and you know i'm somebody like i've experienced uh sexual harassment definitely um i've seen multiple you know public masturbators which is you know and that's very different from somebody cornering you in a hotel room and then asking oh can i can i take my dick out you know so you see a guy in public Usually I, I've seen it happen on, you know, the subway train or in Starbucks. In Starbucks, I've seen multiple 
public masturbators. I don't know what it is about Starbucks, but it really gets guys to want to take their dicks out. It's a public space. You know, there's a lot of young women in there. They think, oh, I can, this is safe. I can come in here and be a pervert. But no, you know, if I'm in that Starbucks, guess what? Justice is coming because I have called the police on public masturbators at least four times in my life. Um, one time in a, uh, actually twice in a library, I've had so many questionable things happen to me. I had, so there was one public masturbator in a college library who I chased out of the library and, you know, gave a description to the campus police. They never got the the guy, but apparently, uh, I wasn't the only woman who had reported him. Uh, there was a public masturbator on the N train to Astoria. This was in, a. 2008, 2009, it was a, you know, a guy who would, uh, he would drape a jacket over a messenger bag and he would just, (laughs) he would just like have his dick out and he'd be like stroking it. Oh my God. I mean, and, and so I I think I saw him more than one. I think I saw him twice. Um, I'm not sure. But the second time I saw him, I definitely noticed what was happening. And I was the only person on the train who like seemed to notice so he, so what he did was, is he would go from car to car and like, you know, switch cars like at every stop. Um, but at one stop I got off and I talked to the conductor and I was like, you know, there's a guy going from car to car masturbating. And I, and I knew the guy saw me because I kind of like got up and walked after him when he got off the car. They don't like that. You know, when you catch them, <laughs> they hate that. They hate when you catch them, uh, but they want you to see them. Very strange contradiction. Um, what else have I had happen to me? Um, hmm, what other public masturbation? Inst- yeah, Starbucks, definitely two different. There's a Starbucks pervert, and I I don't want to tell you exactly which Starbucks I frequent because it gets crowded enough as it is, but there's a older guy who he wears sweatpants of course and he goes to the starbucks and he pretends to be reading screenplays you know very los angeles um and what he does is he will you know find you know a young lady a usually college age uh, maybe even high school you know i'd say between 16 and 24 years old is his demographic and he'll just stare at them and He'll be, like, rubbing his junk, like, on his thigh. Oh, my God. I hate this guy so much. I've I've reported him to the manager at Starbucks. Um, I got his license plate. I haven't done anything with it, but he drives a... If he's listening to this, I know that you drive a black Jeep Liberty, and I'm coming for you. Justice is coming for you. Wait, what is the line from Tombstone? Where... Or is it Wyatt Earp? No, it's Tombstone. Where, where Kurt Russell, like, basically, doesn't he, like, stomp on somebody's face with his boot? And he's like, justice is coming with me. Something like that. Kurt Russell is going to be a recurring topic on this podcast because he was my first celebrity crush. Kurt Russell is the reason I knew I I was attracted to men. That's how I knew I was a straight woman was the existence of Kurt Russell. As soon as I saw him, it was on. It was on. I I have not stopped being obsessed with men ever since Kurt Russell. So anywho, 
yeah, the reason why men want to masturbate in front of women, like people will talk about this. And I did read an article. This is an article. I'm just going to give you citations as I go through this. But um, this article is called Why Men Force Women to Watch Them Masturbate. And it appears on Slate. And it's written by Angelina Chapin. Um, but they have a sex therapist explain it. And here, here's the key thing. So the question is, masturbating is a different form of violence, one that isn't physical or verbal. Why does this particular act appeal to predators? And the answer that the, uh, the sex therapist says, exhibitionists purposely look to shock their victims because they are angry. They are not looking to make friends or go on a date. These are acts of revenge against women. These men are imposing the body part that is most threatening to a female, and in doing so, they are acting out what is called sexual hostility or eroticized rage against their prey. That look of fear or humiliation on women is arousing to them. We see clinically that these men feel wildly inadequate. Well, of course, they feel inadequate. Yeah. So that's that's what it is, you know, because if Louie wanted to, I'm sure he could have consensual sex with many women. OK, I'm, there are many women who find him attractive. You know, I think he's attractive, you know, obviously not really anymore. But prior to this, you know, there there is something attractive about him. And that's more, you know, his intellect and his sense of humor. Right. Um, But. The thing that turns him on is shock and fear on a woman's face when he takes his dick out. I mean, how more fucked up is that? Oh, God, that's fucked up. He needs therapy. We all need therapy. Eventually, this podcast will probably be sponsored by some sort of therapy service. But in the meantime, this uh, this podcast is simply sponsored by my my deep need for attention and um well that's pretty much it um yeah so yeah the comics who are defending louie i mean good god uh they need to stop <laughs> just stop you know this isn't the hill to die on people let's uh let's not do that so r.i.p louis ck's career um I guess that's it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, I think he's so ballsy that he's probably going to like shoot a special about this and and release it like within a year. I mean, he's that like he, if he had the balls first off to make a movie like I Love You Daddy, which is a movie, I mean, we'll never see it, but I did read the reviews and the trailer um which was has been removed from YouTube now. Um, you know, it's about, uh, so he plays a character who is a television writer and he has a young teenage daughter. Uh, I think she's 17 and her name is China. Strange name for a, uh, white girl, but, uh, his daughter is 17 and, uh, there is a filmmaker, an older filmmaker in the movie played by John Malkovich and John Malkovich is, I guess, He's haunted by this rumor that he that he had sex with a minor. Okay, so this is obviously some sort of um, play on the Woody Allen uh, 
type stock character. So we'll never see it, but for God's sakes, you know, for for Louis to have the balls to make a movie about a filmmaker who has rumors of uh, sexual misconduct following him. Uh, God. Whew, the irony. Well, no, it's not ironic. I mean, I guess, you know, he he he's just that bold, you know, that he and that's very narcissistic and dangerous. So, you know, he needs to go away for a while. Anywho. Well, um, what else do I want to talk about? I, um, this summer was, uh, kind of interesting for me. This year has been kind of hard. I, it's, it's already November. Thank God this year is almost over, but, um, I had kind of a hard year. I had a, I had a breakup this summer and I would have started this podcast earlier, like a couple months ago, but, you know, I was just feeling like really, um, you know, really sad all the time and I didn't want to subject my fans to that, you know, I didn't want to subject the fans to my constant, uh, blubbering about my (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Honestly, I'm, I'm pretty much over it, but, um, yeah, breakups suck. Breakups are hard. Uh, they're really rough. I think they really are like way more emotionally difficult than anything else a human can go through. And, you know, I say that as somebody who, I had a boyfriend who passed away, uh, like four or five years ago. And that was really hard. But I feel like a breakup is even harder because, um, see, when somebody dies, like, you know, for sure, they're not coming back. And that's, that's it. You know, that's it. And you have no choice but to um, process your feelings and, and move, move on. But, you know, with a breakup, especially when you're not the one doing the breaking up, um, you you're having like constant thoughts about this, you know, it's occupying your mind 24 seven. You're thinking about this person and you're like, what the fuck happened? You know, what did I do wrong? Am I worthless? You know, and I've come to the conclusion that I'm not worthless and that, uh, you know, in this breakup, it's, it's his loss. It really is his loss. You know, I'm, I'm thriving over here. I have my own apartment in South Los Angeles. I have a good job. Stand-up is going really well, you know. I mean, the only problem is that I'm just insanely horny. And, um... <laughs> when will I have it all? I just... That's all I ask for. is just regular sex and someone to, uh, talk about my problems to. Isn't that what a boyfriend is? Regular sex and somebody to talk about your problems with? <laughs> That's what it seems like. That's what it really is. You know, a companion, a companion to do certain things with. I, you know, I do most things alone just fine. You know, I go to the movies alone. I, I eat alone. I do everything alone. And it's fine. I like being alone because I really, you know, I'm really comfortable with myself. I feel like a lot of people just aren't comfortable with themselves and they're self-conscious. You know, they're like, oh my God, I have to go to a movie alone like that frightens some people which i've i've never understood that spending time alone is probably the most valuable thing that any adult can do i'm also back in therapy that's another thing i think everybody in america needs to be in therapy especially right now you know where things are getting a little hairy um politically but yeah everything seems to be going fine um 
But I guess the thing I learned the most in this relationship, I think the big lesson for me here is that it's basically a waste of time to invest in somebody who doesn't have their shit together, I guess. Um, I'm getting older. I'm 30. Wait. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say my age. Um, I'm 25. (laughs) I'm 25. You hear that? CAA? Is CAA listening to this? Is WME listening to this? They scout podcasts, right? For talent. Anywho, um, yeah, I feel like I have a lot of parts of my life, you know, in order. And I have, you know, my life to where I'm going to have a career, uh, the type of career that I want to have. And this person who I was dating, you know, who I loved very, very much and cared for very, very deeply, he just doesn't have the same sort of satisfaction in his life. Um, And he's, he's not okay with being himself. And I think that that's a huge problem. Because I think in order to be in a healthy relationship, you have to be okay with yourself. Um, Otherwise, how are you going to be able to care for another person or think of another person? If you're all wrapped up in your own thoughts and all of your own shit, then how are you going to care about what's going on with somebody else? I think that's huge. Um, so yeah, I mean, going forward, like I, what I need to do is first off, I need to break old relationship patterns. I do have a habit of dating alcoholics. There's a reason for that. Cause my dad was an alcoholic <laughs> surprise. Uh, <laughs> that's also why I'm a stand-up comedian. <laughs> so I got no attention from my father. My father was super critical of me, um, which I think is the story with a lot of comedians. They have a parent who is like really critical of them. One or both parents was critical. You know, a lot of attention starved children. Um, Yeah, and I just want to be with somebody who, you know, is ready to um, just, you know, live life in a in a in a productive way, you know. And just focus on career stuff and just, you know, have each other for support. Like, I really just need somebody who's supportive um, emotionally and professionally. And um, I don't know what else, what other ways. Somebody who makes me laugh. I think that's really important. Like, I like, I like somebody who makes me laugh. I mean, my last boyfriend was very, very funny. But I don't think he felt he was funny. You know what I mean? Just like didn't like himself, you know, which I understand. But I didn't understand why he didn't like himself because I thought he was good. Um, But some people just don't like themselves. And um, that's their journey. You know, they have to figure that out. I can't figure it out for you. I have my life figured out pretty much. Because I have this uh, lovely, luxurious studio apartment in South Los Angeles. And what more can a girl ask for? (laughs) I have a collection of crystals. I have uh, designer candles. I have one of those, uh, what do you call it? A diffuser, an essential oils diffuser. (laughs) You know, how, how could my life get any better? Oh yeah, I need a man. I need a man in my life. Um... That's what I think about all the time. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, I I have a crush on somebody, but 
you know, knowing it'll probably not work out. <laughs> like, I don't know. My yield isn't very good. I'd say for every, you know, 10 crushes I have, like maybe like one of them pans out. <laughs> one in 10. That's a really, that's a bad yield. I need to reconsider that. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I spent the last few months, like, really heartbroken. And, I, you know, I'm still kind of sad about it because, you know, when a relationship fails, it's not fun for either person. <laughs> like, it's pretty bad. Um, uh, Even though I think men, they love to pretend that everything's okay when things are not okay. But me, like, if something's not okay, I'll, I'll just fucking, I'll just scream and I'll cry and I'll be like, fuck this. This isn't going well. And I did that for a few months. And now I feel like I've gotten it out of my system. I think I think getting it out of your system is the best thing you could do in a breakup. You know, instead of, instead of going into all these distractions. Like a lot of people, I feel like they'll immediately try to jump into another relationship or start dating immediately. I think, I think dating immediately after a breakup is one of the worst things you could do because all it does, you're just trying to distract yourself from your feelings for this other person and you're, you end up using a new person, you know, and I don't, I hate that. You know, I wouldn't want somebody using me to get over a breakup. That's like a nightmare, you know, because they'll, they'll constantly compare you to that other person I think it's good, you know, at the end of a relationship to just uh, not date for a while. And I haven't dated anybody. I haven't really, well, like, you know, I've made out with some people and, you know, that's fine. You can make out, you know, you can, you can, you know, kiss people. I love kissing. I think it's probably one of the most fun things ever. But, um, that, you know, that's a recent development. I haven't, I didn't want to, I didn't even want to make out with anybody until the last few weeks because I was just so disgusted by the thought of human touch. <laughs> I, I, cause I missed my boyfriend so much. Oh my God. Like terrible. I've also lost a lot of weight during this breakup because, um, I lost my appetite. I, here's my conclusion on, uh, eating and it's linked to heartbreak. I think with heartbreak, you lose your appetite and with grief, you know, such as when somebody dies, you gain a massive appetite. Because when my boyfriend who passed away, when he passed away, like, I gained weight. Like, I gained a ton of weight um, from eating. But now I barely eat. Because <laughs> I'm heartbroken. And, I mean, I've cut back a lot. Also, it didn't help that, you know, he immediately got a new girlfriend after we broke up. <laughs> And that made me nauseous. I the first time I heard about it, I threw up for like for forty eight hours. I mean, it was it was horrifying. And then the last few times I saw him in person, he is in comedy, also, folks. But you know, I'm obviously massively successful in my own studio apartment here. He has roommates, so uh, you can you can see where the relationship problem started. He didn't like my success. He actually said that this is a real quote. He said, he said, I don't want to be Mr. Heather Maruli. Well, you know what? Fine. Because I'm Mr. Heather Maruli. Okay. I'm Mr. Heather Maruli and Mrs. I'm all of them. 
yeah, he didn't like that I was uh, more successful. <laughs> Even though I'm not, like, I keep saying that I'm, like, massively successful, but, I mean, you aren't, you don't know what this place looks like <laughs> where I am right now. You don't know what that I drive a Honda Civic, a 2009 Honda Civic. <laughs> With 150,000 miles on it, which actually isn't bad for a Honda Civic. It'll probably go to at least 250,000 miles. But, you know, before then, I hope I I have enough money to get a Tesla. That's what I really want in life is a Tesla. You know, I deserve it. I work so hard. I'm going to get myself a Tesla, baby. Yeah, but he didn't like that. Um... I don't know what it is. I mean, he knew that I had goals and aspirations. I think that's what he liked about me when we first got together. And then by the end of it, he like hated that. He <laughs> like the everything that he liked about me uh, when we first started dating is everything that he hated when we broke up. <laughs> he, you know, he loved that I, you know, that I had my shit together, and you know, he said that I, I made. Uh, the pursuit of comedy look fun, you know, and then by the end of it, I, I, he made it sound like I was just, you know, I was just like, you know, going places and doing so much and, and really, what am I doing? It, it's after midnight and I'm talking in my studio apartment alone into this Zoom recorder, for God's sakes, not getting dicked down like I should be. <laughs> You know, I'm making sacrifices here. I'm not that successful, guys. I mean, I have been paid to do stand-up. I'm not bragging, but I have been paid to do stand-up. I do get booked on shows. But, you know, I guess that was it was too much for him to know that to know that I had something going for me. He hated that. He <sighs> He wants to be with somebody he can control, I guess, or somebody he can feel superior to. And he didn't feel superior to me. And you know what? In hindsight, I don't want that. I don't want somebody who whose ego is so um, sensitive that they have to be with somebody that they feel better than. Um, that's like the opposite of what I want. I want somebody who appreciates me for me. And the more that time has gone on, I've realized that this person didn't appreciate me for who I was. And they, they took me for granted, you know, like people take you for granted all the time. You know, when you're together, like people think that, you know, everything's going to be like that forever. And they, you know, you give them love and support and, and help when they need it. And then, you know, they break up with you. You comply with the breakup and they end up not handling it well because they realize at some point after the breakup that you were giving them something, you were giving them support, you know, and I've had this happen multiple times where after a breakup, you know, the guy is really upset and handling it worse than I am. And I'm not going to get into specifics, but this person... I know they ha they didn't handle it well because they haven't really been themselves. Um, and I don't know if I'll ever speak to him again. It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe I'll see him sometime, but, you know, I'm not trying to. You just run into people sometimes. We're both comics. But we go up at different places, so it doesn't really... 
doesn't really matter. Um, what else do I want to talk about? I hate when people, I, God, I need to edit that out because I, I hate that so much. What else? What else should I talk about? You know, what a three minute open mic where you should know what the fuck you want to talk about in three minutes, for God's sakes. You should know that because it's only three minutes. I'm working on a new bit about my mom being shallow. I told her that today. She called, my mom called me today. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was in Starbucks studying. I tell her that. She's like, what are you what are you studying for? I told her I was taking a class and she always forgets everything I say, but anywho, yeah, I'm I'm working on this new joke about how my mom is shallow. Cause every time I, you know, if I tell her I'm dating somebody or if I have a crush on somebody, I'll I'll tell her about it. And the first thing she always asks this is what she'll always say. She'll be like, well, is he tall? She's from the Bronx. Is that a good impression of my mom? You don't know her, but I think it sounds like her. Um, is he tall? That's the one thing she cares about if a guy is tall. <laughs> she doesn't care if he's like a good person or, you know, if he has a good job or, you know, if he treats me well. It's just about how tall he is. Because I'm tall and she, you know, she's older. So she has this idea that, you know, a man must always be taller than a woman. Otherwise, it doesn't look right. And and guess what? You know what she said today? She's like, I've only ever dated tall, strong men. And I, I laughed at that so hard because she's only dated, you know, like emotional manipulator alcoholics. So, you know, that, you know, that's fine as long as they're tall and strong, you know, as long as you're tall and strong, you could, you could be fucked up in other areas of your life. You could be an alcoholic, you could be emotionally unavailable, whatever. (coughs) So, yeah, you think I learned bad habits from anyone? It's my mom. I learned habits from her. So I guess that's it. Um... I'm coughing now because it's that time of night. But uh, anywho, I do have a website uh, where you can uh, find out more about me. The website is unrulymaruli.com. That's U-N-R-U-L-Y. My last name, it's spelled M as in Mary, A-R-U-L-L-I. It is Italian. Specifically, it's Sicilian. But uh, that's my website. I do have show dates on there. I will be in New York City starting November 20th. I have some shows coming up. I will be at, let's see, on November 20th, I'll be at uh, Friends and Lovers in Brooklyn performing on Side Ponytail. Tuesday, November 21st, I'll be performing at The Mockingbird on UGG Comedy Show. Then I'll be uh, roasting James Pontillo at the stand at 10 p.m. Then on Wednesday, November 22nd, the uh, anniversary of the JFK assassination, I will be at uh, Sit the Fuck Down at the Standing Room, hosted by my friend Lindsay Jennings, followed by Knocking Boots at Two Boots Park Slope, 
also at 8 p.m. So actually, I think I'll do Knocking Boots first and then the other show second because anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you that, but I'm <laughs> they're both at the same time. So I have to uh, figure out which one I'm doing first. And then I have uh, other shows coming up, but I'll let you know as they go. And I do host a weekly open mic, uh, Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Echoes on Pico, uh, $5, four minutes in one item. If you do live in the Los Angeles area, if you are a fan of me, though, uh, please don't come to that because I don't need to be, you know, harangued by my adoring fans. Uh, there is also an email for this podcast uh, if you are so interested in emailing me, the email is unrulypodcast at gmail.com. You can send in questions, concerns, subjects you want to hear me rant about. Um, yeah, I don't know. Creepy emails from fans. I'll take a fan email. I'll read it on the air. Why not? Um, and this podcast is currently on SoundCloud. It will be on iTunes. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Sunday, November 12th, and uh, I've been Heather Maruli, and this has been my diary. Good night.